Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the second Empire Podcast Review of the Year following on from last year's, which was the first Empire Podcast Review of the Year. The year we're reviewing today is... Rolls Tombola 2013! Hooray! Hooray! And to join me in arbitrarily awarding the star ratings that half of you are going to disagree with violently and vehemently are... Helen O'Hara. Hello. Hello. Nick DeSemlian. Hello. Hello. Dan Jolin. It is I. And me. Hello. Uh, needless to say, we shall be discussing spoilers over here. It is a review of the year. To do so adequately, we have to sometimes go into the nitty-gritty of big movies and small movies alike. So for the next two hours or so, you might want to cover your ears. Which defeats the purpose of listening to a podcast in yeah, the first that, place. you didn't think that through. No. But I, I so seldom do. Uh, <laughs> where should we start? How about... A few of the year overall. As Jane Spencer says to Frank Drebin in The Naked Gun, soon to be remade and, and obviously bettered and improved. Oh. <clears throat> Good year? No, the worst. Um, but it wasn't the worst or it wasn't the best. Well, it, I kind of thought this year was a bit middling, to be honest. What, what do you think? I am inclined to agree with you, which is the first time for everything. Um, no, I think there were, you know, there were absolutely definite highlights, but also, you know, n- n- very. F- it wasn't one of those years that blows you away. It wasn't one of those years where you look back over it and you're like, there were so many films there that were incredible. I think there were incredible films, and especially this Oscar season, uh, half of which unhelpfully are coming out in January and February. But mm. it's a really good, strong Oscar season. Um, but it didn't feel overall like this is a year that's going to go down in history with, you know, 19. 19- 1939, 1999, and other years without a nine in the in the name. Odd years are always the best. Isn't that Star Trek yeah. films? But no, then, no, no, years, years. <laughs> That's the it's opposite Star Trek. of Star Trek yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh. like, it's like 1993 was an amazing year. 1999 was an amazing year. 1997 mm. was yeah. an amazing year. Yeah. Event Horizon. Oh, okay, let's just... And there were some other films mm. that released that year. No, that was a really good year. There was a, a Event Horizon, LA Confidential. Uh, so what do you think of the year? I, it's really hard to, to, to sum it all up. It's, it's kind of like, you know, looking back on, on any year, there's some good, there's some bad. I mean, you know, as we will discuss, there were some crushing disappointments um, and there were some pleasant surprises. I suppose it's all, it's ultimately about how your expectation was managed or at least or, or what how your expectation affected what you saw. You know what I mean? If you start the year looking forward to tons and tons of things, it's like, oh, great, they're making The Lone Ranger. And then, and then, and then you hear everyone saying it alone. Ranger stinks. And then you're like, actually, that was pretty good. You know, it's a kind of it's a it's a roller coaster ride, Chris. It was a roller coaster ride. On acid. It was a roller coaster. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> That's uh, two of Dan's banned phrases from yes. Empire Features. Yes, well, as well, as his hidden gems, which I believe is going to be said at some point during this podcast. Uh, you just did. Uh, we will be saying it again later on. Uh, Nick, what do you think of this year? Because. Uh, that's, that, I think if you compile my, for example, my top ten of the year has about two, maybe three five star films on it, and there are a bunch of five star films that are annoyingly, as you said, Helen, uh, scheduled for twenty fourteen already, mm. which are coming out in the states in twenty thirteen, which might have made the picture a bit more lopsided. I thought this year was a bit rotten. Otherwise, it was for bigger films. I think if you look at the big tentpole blockbusters, I don't think it was a particularly good year. Iron Man three, I really enjoyed. Yep. Other than that, I'd say you know, Man of Steel, Star Trek two, both slight disappointments some people yeah. like them more than others but generally the consensus is they weren't sort of classics uh, Elysium I found a little bit disappointing Pacific Rim was 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 okay but again uh, it's not like an evergreen classic I think the summer blockbusters were with the exception of Iron Man 3 I would agree disappointing even Fast and Furious 6 my goodness mm. but I think the winter blockbusters have been better 
you know, we've liked Hobbit, we liked yeah. Hunger Games, we liked Thor, and yeah. and that's that's kind of saved the blockbuster kind of honour for the year for me anyway, hmm. a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that, but it's not been a great year for action films. True. What about um, Oscar films? Not just the ones because again, painting a slightly <laughs> lopsided picture of the year, I've almost ignored January, which is where all the Oscar films yeah. from last year yeah. were scheduled for this year. So we had Zero Dark Thirty and Chango Unchained and Lincoln and Les Mis, and they all came out. In January, have they stood the test of time? Is it do they do they rescue twenty thirteen in a way? Lincoln was my top film of the year. I, I absolutely adored that. Um, and, and that was uh, genuine. That wasn't just inspired by your love of beards. It wasn't inspired by my love of beards nor my devotion to Spielberg. Although both, I'll be honest, played a factor. But uh, but that I mean, I just I love those kind of procedural films. I love films about smart people being smart. Um, I love you know idealism. Abraham Lincoln and Daniel Day-Lewis and so it was pretty much you know catnip for me Perfect Storm yeah uh, Dan what about you well from the early stuff yeah the, the early, early stuff, stuff. I mean, that tends to be overlooked it does tend to be overlooked I mean I, I, I'd actually say for me Zero Dark Thirty uh, I, I caught it quite late and I was really disappointed by it I actually did not like it did Why? not like it um, I, I, I it seemed to be a kind of a, uh, an excuse for uh the death penalty, and um, it just seemed to be a film purely about retribution, and 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 it just bugged me, got up my nose. Wasn't the point though, that kind of that you know retribution isn't good necessarily. The the last scene was a little bit ambiguous. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, it is ambiguous. So I took it as that she's just like she's got nothing left. She's she's achieved it. She's got nothing left, mm. and it, I took it more as that interpretation of the ending. But you know, on the on on the positive side, I'm trying to think, what were the early ones of the year? Obviously, Lincoln was great. Cloud Atlas wasn't an Oscar film, but uh, I really loved it. That was yeah. early on. That was February, wasn't it? I can't, uh, about I can't then, remember. yeah. I mean, I, it was one of those great ones where you you applaud the ambition as much as anything else, and just the sheer dizzying approach to yeah. an unfilmable to, to do an un- unfilmable book in an unfilmable way. Is is pretty ballsy, yeah, um, yeah. and and yay for all its for all its shortcomings, <laughs> and it does have shortcomings. You've got to applaud that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely love that. I keep meaning to watch it again, but the, that running time just. <laughs> um, uh, and then I can't remember what were the other ones. Nick? Well, January and Django, Django, yes, great, Django. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I tried to watch it again recently, and I kind of lost interest about half an hour. And I really enjoyed it when I when I saw it the first time. Mm. But it's not a, up there with the A. Tarantino yeah. movies, is it? It's, 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 it's funny because uh, I said this in my review. It's it's too long, but not because I have anything inherently against long films. I love Cloud Atlas, but because it doesn't feel like it has the story for that running time, mm. um, and it does seem to just sort of run out of runs out of story. It feels like to me uh, towards the end. But that said, I think it's still on my top ten of the year. It is on still on definitely is still on my top ten of the year. Um, so. Right. Don Johnson's my favourite thing about that. Ah, Christoph Waltz. I know, obvious, but mm. but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure he was second Oscar amazing, but he was he was fantastic in it. Yeah, uh, great soundtrack as well. We'll be on the soundtracks of the year uh, later on. Also in January there was The Impossible, Juan Antonio Bayona's Impossible, which uh, may be the film that, that bagged him the World War said cool gig. So I love that film. It was on my top ten of the year. It probably still is. 
if you've picked up the most recent issue of Empire Magazine, it has all of our top tens in it. Uh, due to uh, print schedules and whatnot, we had to write those top tens in early November, <laughs> which is always fun. Uh, a lot of us hadn't seen The Hobbit, uh, Walter Mitty. I still haven't seen Walter Mitty. Mm. Uh, what else? Anchorman 2. No one else had seen Anchorman 2 apart yeah, from me. Yeah, you were the only one who'd seen it I was the only one who'd seen, seen it at that point. Uh, Nebraska, uh, I think. No, it had screened, but I hadn't seen it when I wrote my list, and it would have been on my top ten if American I'd seen Hustle. it. American Hustle? American Hustle, none of us had seen at that, seen that time. One. That's a weird one that comes out in London on December 20th, but comes out in the rest of the UK on, on January 3rd. So mm. is it a 2013 film or 2014 film? I don't know, I was trying to have the best of both worlds, isn't it? Mm. Cheeky. Let's say it's a 2014 film. But yeah, so our top tens are kind of, they're not really set in stone, but what I've always been intrigued is, would a film that you've seen subsequently gatecrash your top ten? And ha- for me, so far, I don't think I've seen anything either that I had missed sure. beforehand or subsequently that that would be on the top ten. There's a couple of films I still have to catch up on on DVD, which might well end up in there. I'm hearing great things about The Kings of Summer and, and to my shame, I have not seen it yet. Um, so possibly. Uh, but I think the whole idea of top tens is inherently stupid. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, God. <laughs> That's not dwelling top tens. Yeah. That's not dwelling top tens. We're just picking the best things of the year. Okay, that's, that's all okay. we're doing. Phew. It's not stupid at all. Uh, shall we go through? I've got a list of categories here. And let's just go through them uh, one by one then. See if we can impose some order on proceedings. Uh, actor of the year. Is this actor or man of the year? And then we'll obviously do actress and woman of the year uh, okay. next. Um, so what's our thinking in that? Who really stood out for you this year? Well, obviously, if we're talking actor, Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, I hate to be obvious. But I had to keep reminding myself I wasn't watching Abraham Lincoln, and I'm not usually that delusional. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, in in terms of pure acting, that. I had the same thing with Benjamin Walker and Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was an underrated performance. His performance was not what was wrong with that film. You know. No, that's so. very true. And uh, it's good to see he's actually still getting work. Hmm. Because I would have thought that movie might have, might have been a death knell for pretty much everyone involved. Uh, also, Dominic Cooper's getting a lot of work these days. He well, is, which yeah. Is, which is good. You know, if you go down your local dole office, you'll see half the cast of Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, very sad state of affairs. Um, yeah, no, he's uh, that, that is a phenomenal performance, mm. it has to be said. But what about uh, other people who've stood out this year? I mean, I thought uh, Tom Hanks had a... Yeah, two, two great performances in one yeah. great film and one not very great film, but yeah. two great performances. Yeah, Toy Story of Terror and um, <laughs> <laughs> and Captain Phillips. And Saving Mr. Banks. And uh, That's right. Yes. And there's a third. Yes. Can you guess which I think is the great film and the not-so-great film out of, out of those two? Knowing um, you, yes. <laughs> is it Captain Phillips? Captain Phillips is awesome. There we go. There we go. There we go. Um, Saving last... Mr. Banks is about a half a good film. Okay. About half of the the, the bit where they the, the the bank heist is that the best bit? Um, no, where they save the bank heist. They save the bank. Yes. Heist. Yeah. No. Hanks again. It kind of feels too obvious, doesn't it? Daniel Day Lewis, Tom Hanks. It's, it's it's we're not. So 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 let's 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 say someone a bit different. Daniel Bruhl. Daniel yeah. Bruhl. How about that? Very good in Rush. Yeah. Amazing, amazing performance in Rush. Um, and all right then, Barkad Abdi for Captain Phillips as for well. Captain Phillips, actually, yes. Stop yes. talking about Captain Phillips. Sorry, we're not letting the Michael, boat next. Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas. I'm saying, and Matt Damon. Actually, and Captain both Phillips. of them, both of them for Beyond the Candelabra. Behind, okay. behind. Sorry, <laughs> Beyond is the sequel. Um, actually, okay. Scott Thornton had a very interesting life post um, post Liberace, and I think they should they should actually make a sequel and call it Beyond the Candelabra, starring Matt Damon, yeah. showing what happened to Thorson because it was nuts. Am I allowed to say Dean Norris from Breaking Bad? 
<laughs> Breaking Bad's kind of in every thing, category. Hidden gem. <laughs> in every category. Actress of the Year. Yep. Dean Norris. Dean Norris. He wins them all. <laughs> he is awesome. Is he the best thing out of Breaking Bad for you? Is he the, the standout? I think if you're talking about this year, yeah. I'm sure I've said this in the podcast before, but one of the things I love about Dean Norris is he's one of those guys where if you go back and watch loads of old movies, when I say old movies, dear God, we're raging ourselves here, but the like the movies from the 80s and 90s. Paul Verhoeven movies mainly. Pop up. Yeah. He's, uh, he's in Total Recall. Yeah. Obviously. Starship Troopers. But he played, <clears throat> I think I've said this in the podcast before, but such a good fact, I'm going to say it again. He played a character called SWAT Team Leader in both Terminator 2 and Gremlins 2. <gasps> I think that's the same guy. Shared universe. Which means, shared universe, which means, is he still around? Dean Norris could, next summer, Dean Norris is SWAT Team Leader. Yes. Tackling... Mogwais and Grem- why would he tackle a Mogwai that's horrible uh, shooting Mogwai killing innocent Mogwai well actually um, to be fair if you kill the Mogwai you solve the problem you do now here's another question is Gizmo the only Mogwai or is there another Mogwai there is another there Mogwai there is another Mogwai <laughs> but it grows up and becomes Yoda Yoda <laughs> no Helen and I'll tell you why shared universe no because Star Wars takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, but it's an That's, ancestor. Mm. Like, he, he's born a Mogwai, and then he grows. As long as he doesn't eat after mm. midnight or get wet, which mm. is difficult living on a swamp planet, mm. then you grow up and you get a little bit more gremlin-like as you go older and you get the greenish colouring and you lose your fur, but basically he's a Mogwai. I'm sold. Robbie the Robot is in Forbidden Planet and Gremlins. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to say it. Amazing. I feel like we I mean, may have. Oh, you mean track. the film Forbidden Planet? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers just texted me. They they want uh, that pitch. Well, yeah. Let's get going. There we go. Four billion uh, is our ASCII <laughs> price, as always. Uh, Chris Hemsworth had a great year. Yes. I know it's a bit uh, dull and predictable to say that, but uh, I think in Rush he showed that he could do uh, something else than uh, a posh English guy. No, hang on. Uh, he showed he showed he had range, which mm. was good. Mm. Um, and you know, he's just he's just one of those rare things, isn't he? He's a, a ready-made movie star. Yeah, just walking on this, and, and when you see his brother uh, in the Hunger Games, you just see the contrast between the two of them. He's not quite there yet, is he, Liam? Poor he, Liam. He's got a little bit of a way to go. I would also say, uh, again, at the risk of being predictable, Hugh Jackman uh, started off Who? the year with a huge um, box office success with Les Mis, uh, mm-hmm. showing off his pipes once again. I um, beg your pardon. Did you see the uncut version? <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he, I think he he said he made the Wolverine movie he he intended to make all along with the Wolverine. It, it had a little then, bit more success. But than then we accidentally deleted the last reel. We had to shoot it again in five yeah. minutes. It was it was it had. <laughs> some things going for it and and then Prisoners he's actually very very good in Prisoners yeah. and again that, that allows him to show a little bit more dramatic I range I watched that well. yesterday morning I thought oh, that was God. terrific yeah. I wasn't expecting much because I, I actually thought the trailer if we talk about trailers later I thought that was one of the worst trailers of the year mm. in terms of I just watched it and went I don't want to see this film made it look really generic but I thought the film was fantastic mm-hmm. and uh, he was extremely good in a really yeah. dark role can't have an Empire podcast without mentioning The Rock and Tom Hiddleston wouldn't dream of it probably the same person I've never seen them in the same room together uh, they had, both had cracking years mm. I think G.I. Joe retaliation okay one Partially of them had cracking years I'm not sure if this person had a really good year or not but uh, let's mention James Franco because again in the current <laughs> issue of Empire uh, the one that's just about to go off sale as you're listening to this most helpfully uh, we have a pie chart that I took a long time to compile which uh, breaks down James Franco's multiple pursuits this year so he mm. wasn't just he wasn't just acting in movies and writing in movies and producing movies and directing movies he was yeah. producing artwork and writing books and writing novels and <laughs> in a band and he was he was on this TV show and that TV show Do you show know what he wasn't doing though? 
Do you know what he wasn't doing? Do you know which film he's very notably wasn't working on? No. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Sorry, that's a little bit of a 2014 preview in there. Wow. Yeah. Well, people know that. No Frank. No Frank. People know that he's not in that. Well, they might not not know that. Well, they know now. They, well, they do do now. Well, not what do now, you know about? It was a semi bombshell. It was a very, very small bombshell. Yes, it was a gr- grenade shell. Fans of Rise of the Planet of the Apes will be outraged when they learn that whatever his character was called will not be back. Yes, Will Rodman. <laughs> will Rodman. Will Rodman. Rod, Rodman being a reference to Rod Serling, Dennis Rodman, um, who 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 wrote the script of the original Planet of the Apes. Come That's on, just stupid. That's a silly reference. Will Rodman. Dead. Just, just call the character dead. Rod Serling. Dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's Rod. dead. How did he die? Slipped the on virus. A bu- slipped on a banana the virus. Skin. The monkey <laughs> virus. The monkey virus killed him dead. Anyway, that's what James Franco was not doing. So there you go. I'm going to uh, put a shout out to James McAvoy, who I thought had a really good year. Hooray! Yeah, yeah. A good, good old uh, sort of doubleheader with uh, Filth and Trance, which yeah. I loved. Yeah. And I thought that between those two films, he got to show quite a lot of range. Filth, which I saw recently on a plane. <laughs> I hadn't seen Filth before, and it didn't quite get crashed my top ten of the year, but it was, it was very, very good. I saw it on a plane, and the stewardess came to serve me, and I paused it, and uh, just at the scene where James... <laughs> James McAvoy and Shirley Henderson having uh, frantic phone sex with each other and uh, I paused it just as their faces are like and then you rewound and it and yeah. pointed lasciviously pointed, yeah. <laughs> the captain was called out yes. emergency yeah. landing <laughs> yes he was also on stage in Macbeth and very good there as well so yeah good year all around for, for McAvoy and he was filming X-Men Days of Future Past not yes, too which is long looking ago. pretty darn good for 2014 good. he's back 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 avoy <laughs> Except if, he was, if he hasn't got away he, was, he never really yeah. went anywhere did he alright we need him to go away for a while, so that will work. Yeah, go away, James mm-hmm. McAvoy. But then come back again, because we like you. Uh, who else had a good year? Who was on a lot of stuff? Oh, Steve Coogan was in everything. I'm yes, surprised he's he not in this podcast, to be honest. That's true, yeah. Three films. Four. Four films. Four films. And, uh, and, and a couple of them, quite big hits. Philomena has done brilliantly well. It has. In um, particular. I remember whenever uh, Damon Wise first saw that movie, and he wrote me an email saying, Steve Coogan's going to get nominated for an Oscar for this movie. And I went, Ha! What? Nonsense! Uh, but I think he might, uh, for screenplay at least, um, yeah. with, alongside uh, Jeff Pope. That seems to be the way the tide is turning in uh, for that movie, so yeah, that, that's great. And obviously Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa. Uh, we got over a disappointment about the fact it wasn't called Alan Partridge, Colossal Velocity, and uh, I thought it was the second or third funniest film of the year. Which he has said several times in interviews, he, including to, to us, mm. Yeah, he wanted it to be called Alan Partridge, Colossal Velocity. Who is overruling Steve Coogan when it comes to Partridge? Crazy. Presumably Iannucci, but, you know, it <laughs> yeah. just makes no sense. Mm. Okay, so, woman slash actress of the year. Let's go actress of the year first and have uh, performances. Helen, you've raised your hand. I have. Helen. Surely the woman of the year, in terms of actresses, has got to be Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, winning an Oscar for last year's Silver Linings Playbook, or at least last year in the US. I think it was here as well, last yes. year. Um then following that up with a massive box office success for the second Hunger Games movie. The first mm. one was successful, this one is more so. Um, and finishing up with an incredibly eye-catching turn in American Hustle, which suggests she might be in line for another Oscar, mm. certainly nomination, if not win. And she flipped the bird. 
And she flipped the bird to the, the bird. Oscar press corps, yes. which, she, frankly, we've got to support. Yeah, yeah, she launched approximately 8 billion GIFs or GIFs this year. Yeah. Uh, she is phenomenal. Pretty much every interview she does is um, generates a thousand brilliant quotes. Yeah. She's just awesome. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people are going to be saying Science Oven in 2014. I believe so as well. <laughs> and you will understand that when you've seen American Hustle. Uh, yeah, no, she's, uh, she's fantastic. And, uh, hey... She was also filming Days of Future Past not too long ago. <gasps> mm-hmm. Wow. Who wasn't? I <laughs> That's was as true. well. That's true. Pretty hands, much everybody. Hands up if you're not in Days of Future Past. We've all kept our hands down. That's very interesting. <laughs> very interesting indeed. Uh, is, should we keep this category open? Does anyone else even yes, come close to Jennifer Lawrence? Yes, okay, yes. Dan. I yes. have a shout. I have a shout for someone. Brie Larson. Yes. Brie Larson. Oh, absolutely superb. Yeah, because she's absolutely amazing in Short Term 12. I actually think that's my performance by an actress of the year over Blue Jasmine. <gasps> yes, yes, absolutely superb. And but she, I mean, she sort of Brie Larson kind of pops up in a lot of things. She was great in Don John in a very small role as yep. well. And I can't off the top of my head think of any others she did this year, but I'm sure there's at least another one. Not, uh, not that I know of this year. Obviously, most people I think still remember her from uh, Scott Pilgrim versus yeah. the World, where she was Envy Adams. That's right. Um, but also, I mean, she's a thoroughly nice person who totally deserves the amount of success she's currently getting. So hopefully, this leads to many more big things for her. I hope so. I feel really sorry for Naomi Watts. She started the year so well with The Impossible. I thought she was absolutely brilliant in that. Unfortunately, she then made Diana. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, is not getting a whole lot of Oscar talk. Um, but I, I have a lot of time for Naomi Watts. Really <laughs> no, it's not. Do well at the Razzies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She might do well yeah. at the Razzies, yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't know. That film obviously got a kick in over here, but I, I think it's got less of a kick in everywhere else. I mean, it, it died an absolute death at the box office. Possibly a poor choice of phrase. And not a lot of people did go into the Garden of Love in the end. No, God, dear. No, the admission fee was just prohibitive, I believe. You'd have to watch the film. Nobody wants to see that. I think the other two actresses we should mention this year are Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. Now, obviously, they worked together on The Heat, which was a very big hit in the Mm. US box office and a slightly lesser one, but still solid one over here. Mm. But also independently, um, McCarthy also opened a density thief really big in the US and of course uh, Bullock made a little film called Gravity which did quite well is that the so, first mention of it in this podcast so far but I'm wow. pretty sure it won't be the last yes it's so, interesting I didn't lump yeah. it in with the rest of the action films that I was saying it was a, a not a great year for action but yeah. that is it's pure the, action film it's the year's best action film it is and yeah. it's not even an action film Indeed. or is it discuss 10 points yeah this is quite interesting. I uh, Earlier on, just as we were about to start recording the podcast, I did a shout-out on Twitter. I said, you know, we're recording it right now. Do you have any questions for us? Uh, we have loads. Hooray! Loads of questions. So instead of going through some of my categories, we will come back to the categories later on. But let's go through some of the questions here and see what we can see. So, at TomoJ3, sorry, TomoJ03, asks, best use of music in a film this year? I'd say Bowie in Francis Ha. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Done. Thanks, James Thompson. Uh, what do we think? One word. Roachford. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is a superb scene. Yeah. Which was actually uh, something that came really late to the film because I was on set when they were when they were doing it and they were literally coming up with that idea halfway through the shoot. Originally, it was going to start with a big dream sequence, which they scrapped. So it was. Uh, it didn't have a big Bond-style credit sequence as well. Yeah, which just went by the wayside. Yeah, and they were playing the Roachford uh, tune on set, going, "Oh, this could work. This could work." So they hadn't yet shot it. Yeah, so I, I just to be clear, we're talking about Alpha Papa for indeed. anyone who wasn't not Philomena. Alan, yeah, Alan Partridge's Alpha Papa, which is fantastic, despite its, its ramshackle nature. There, mm. there is a sense that that film is being held together by masking tape and bits of Pritstick. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, it, it is really, really funny, which is very Partridge-esque in its own little way. Mm. Yeah. Um, maybe a shout out for Let's Go Fly a Kite and Saving Mr. Banks, which I think, you know, 
was the most moving kind of moment of that film in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the World's End has lots of great musical yes. moments. Uh, I probably have to go for the use of this corrosion over over <laughs> over any of the others because uh, you know anything that sort of gives the Sisters of Mercy at their most preposterously epic um, gets my vote. I was delighted to see Teenage Fan Club uh, being included on there uh, after their banner year last year with uh, the concept being used again and again and again and again and again in Young Adult. I was delighted to see mm. that uh, What You Do To Me was on the soundtrack. It's a fantastic soundtrack, yeah. World's End. Uh, yeah. Probably my favourite of the year, I would say. The two soundtracks I've had on rotation the most heavily the last few months, Stoker is still brilliant, I think. Yeah. It's got a great Nancy Sinatra track, Summer Wine, on there, which I was not familiar with. Mm. And Gravity, which uh, yeah. I think is Stephen Price. Fantastic yeah. soundtrack. If you're on the tube, it makes it a lot more exciting. <laughs> thinking debris is going to come in. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you get to Harrow on the Hill. But uh, yeah, those two soundtracks don't get old. Oh, and Trance, Rick Smith's Trance. Yeah, that was, yeah. Great. That was great. There's yeah, no trance was, music yeah. on it, really, but yeah. still good. Uh, for a song of the year, I was going to say Can You Dig It from Iron Man 3. Absolutely. Uh, which we've been bopping around to a lot in the office. Yeah, we devised the, the dance routine, didn't we? Yes, we did, yeah. yeah called the Repulsor. That's right. Yeah. I, I love, though, that the Iron Man 3 opens with one of the worst songs <laughs> of the 90s. <laughs> and it's just, like, completely random, but it's just, like, it just kicks in, you're just like, what the... What's, you know, it's just... Uh, and also, actually, while, while blue, we're on the Marvel films... Blue yeah. by Euro... Oh, no, I can't remember, what are they called? Yeah. Euro 99? Oh, I hate that song. Yeah, it works it was, ironically. It was, yeah, it works ironically. It was, it's just one of that kind of really bad glut of kind of, you know, sub Ibiza pop trance things going on at that time um, in the in the pre-autotune days. Um, but uh, also, actually, Marvel Films' use of a song, the Exhibit song that is Natalie Portman's ringtone. I like that. That was very funny. Yeah. I like, because um, I'm, I'm thinking of work, uh, it's probably going to be up by the time you're listening to this podcast, but I'm working on a Empire Christmas movie songs playlist on our Spotify account at the moment. And uh, there are a couple at the, at the beginning of Iron Man 3 where um, uh, Tony Stark kind of has his robots queue up, as DJs queue up a couple of Christmas tracks, and one of them's uh, Jingle Bells by, I think, Herb Alpert and uh, Tijuana Brass Band I think I need to double check that one but that's quite a funky little version of Jingle Bells which I which, which I quite liked but yes Can You Dig It was never for a long time it was the song I had on repeat <laughs> constantly and it's got yeah. elements of your, if you listen to it it's got elements of the 30 Rock theme tune you know, you know just you know, lots of people in the background going do 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 worst soundtrack of the year I'm going to nominate uh, Flight which um, most on the nose actually if you go online Vulture uh, the website Vulture has done a track by track breakdown of what the tune is and how the action on screen relates to the lyrics under the bridge under the bridge (laughs) oh she's taking heroin let's put on under the bridge oh don't forget Whit Whitaker's soul funk mixtape with Marvin Gaye on it (laughs) it's a good film Flight no it's uh, not it's not no it's not no it's not it is it isn't really it is you're an idiot no 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 it's, it's, it's a good opening sequence with 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 a crap movie of the week tacked on the end. It's hard not to argue with that. <laughs> it's got a CG tear. Come on, what, do you, what else do you want? Yeah, it's got a bit where a man flies a plane upside down. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's over in the first. Was there more after minutes. that? Because I, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was really jet lagged. So myself. people did some yeah. talking and then stuff. Yeah, happened. honestly, yeah. once he lands the plane, switch it off. You'll have seen a great short film. <laughs> a quirky little sh- little <laughs> yeah. indie short film. Yeah. Any other films I got that might have you know, been improved had you stopped watching them after 20 minutes? Hmm. Elysium. Elysium yeah. would have, yes. Man of Steel, probably. 
uh, after that no, no, I don't bonkers Krypton uh, <laughs> sequence and then it comes to Earth and becomes very prosaic and dull and people start punching each other through buildings endlessly endlessly anyway the best use of a song what happens oh, yes. to that sorry Let's go back. sorry um, yes what do we think the we bling done? ring as well I mean Sophia Coppola's yes. soundtrack's always pretty good as well good good soundtrack yeah I liked that I came out and um, looked up sleigh bells straight afterwards all right great mm. sleigh bells track you saucy devil <laughs> uh, are we done with music well sure. I, I, there, there is there is one uh, one song of the year although I have to hold my hand up I haven't actually seen the film it's in but I love the song, so can I say it? Sure. Because I haven't yet seen Blue is the Warmest Colour, which I'm actually really quite embarrassed about, and I really want to see it. I Follow Rivers, the Magician remix by Licky Lee. I'm probably saying that wrong. That no, is amazing. No, I think you said remix And it's correctly. honestly, it's just in my head all the time. I've had that track on my iPod for about three years. Yeah, I know it's not, it's not a recent song, but it's just, uh, uh, it's recently come to me via the knowledge that it was in that film. Two more, very, very quickly, both from Pixar. Uh, I love uh, Gospel by the March 4th marching band, uh, which is at the end of Monsters University and is also used at a montage, during a montage rather, about halfway through the film, and it's really funky and poppy and fun. Uh, and um, uh, at the beginning of Monsters University, there's a blue umbrella, which has this lovely, lilting, gorgeous little piece of music. Uh, I think Sashka unsailed, I think... I should have looked this up, but John Brown wrote the music as well. But uh, that's fantastic if you can check that one out. Let's move on to other questions now. What have we got? Liam Canning at 92 Cannonball asks, what's the one film released this year that we might think differently of in five years' time? Intriguing. This, oh, is, this is a job interview question, isn't it? One of those. <laughs> Where do you Honestly. see Gravity in five years' time? Still So hang on, ask the, the question again. What's the wording of the question? What's the one again? film released this year we might think differently of in five years' time? Gravity is an interesting one, because I, I was pondering that. It's so amazing when you see it on the big screen in 3D. How is that film going to be when you see it again on DVD? Yeah. I think that, more than any other film this year, is potentially going to suffer from... It's just the hugeness of it. I think, I think it has other strengths, though, than, the, than its visual you know, qualities. Mm. Um, you know, I refuse to accept that there is any film that's great in 3D that can't be great in 2D. And I think, I mean, it, it will lose some of its immersiveness that, that really gets you in in the cinema, but at the same time, it still does have that just propulsive tension hmm. about it the whole way through, which I think is, is probably going to stand up. I mean, we will obviously see. We have seen, you know, it is always the, the peril with sort of films that push the technological envelope that sometimes a few years down the line, they look pretty weak by comparison. But I, I think that one probably has enough meat in the sandwich to uh, yeah. to keep us going, as it yeah. were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if... Sometimes we're kind of forgiving of things when they're new, and I wonder if, you know, we're going to... I can see, for example, Star Trek Into Darkness becoming one of those films that is hated or certainly disliked further further down the line. Well, I was disappointed um, in in the first place, but I think people are going to get more harsh towards it as time goes on. I think that's happened already. Yeah, well, okay, good. I was there from day one. I just like to <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I wasn't terribly far behind you on that one either. Um, uh, yeah, well, obviously the Star Trek fans who were polled at some sort of Star Trek convention a few months ago said it was the worst Star Trek film of all time. It isn't. It's Which is crazy. Yeah. It isn't. Anyone who's Star seen, Trek 5. Anyone who's seen Final Frontier knows that's not the case, but it's not the best. Um, but I think that film makes, uh, it, it drops an awful lot of balls. It is an awful lot of balls. Well, there you no, go. I, 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 like, no, hang on. This is I can resist that. I said I was disappointed. I didn't say it was a terrible film. I like the space jump quite a bit. I would say that's one of the best action scenes of the year. Yeah. 
as long as as long as Klingons are in it and Khan isn't, it's great. It is um, tricky. I mean, I, which films are we going to reevaluate? Which films? I honestly, and I'm going to say this, and you're going to disagree with me and kind of throw things at me and call me an idiot. But <laughs> hey, you do that every week anyway. Uh, I think Oblivion in five years' time is going to be looked back at as uh, potentially a very very good slice of sci-fi. I, I really uh, enjoyed that Oblivion. movie. Or astonishing, it may be my favorite my favorite sci-fi film in the summer mm-hmm. uh, of the year. Sorry, not the we're not doing. Summer uh, of the year. I would have I would have cast Nikolai Costaweldo as the main as the lead though, and I wouldn't have put Tom Cruise in it. I think it would have been a very different film had that happened. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think a really would, handsome one. Yeah. Yes, it wouldn't have got made for a start. <laughs> True. I was True. a bit annoyed by Tom Cruise's haircut in that film. I thought he should have had a bit more of a dystopian haircut. <laughs> I thought you know he still had the the same neat trim. Who's doing his hair? Well, presumably they have machine cutting, hair cutting machines. I need to see that scene. Do you really need to see that scene? Do you need to see that scene? No. Are we an effective team? Okay, all right. We are not an effective team. No. Uh, I think in five years' time, honestly, we're going to look back at it, Olympus Has Fallen, uh, no. because by that point we'll have had the trilogy, London Has Fallen, <laughs> followed by Blackpool Has Fallen. It's budgets <laughs> get lower and lower and lower. And we'll, we'll see, you know, it's a, this is a really good action trilogy, guys. Mike Bannon is one of the great action. I can't even keep a straight face during that one. Um, but, in yeah, London I, Is Falling, will he play a game of bugger off? <laughs> has to happen <laughs> you go first <laughs> yeah. um, London has fallen London is fa- has fallen or is falling London has fallen well, has fallen London L- has fallen. fallen London Bridge is falling down London has fallen that would fallen. have been a better title it would be but yeah. uh, London has fallen can Gerard Butler please just use his real accent can he just be revealed as some sort of you know, undercover Scott Undercover Scott. And undercover. That should be the title. And there's a movie <laughs> right there. Undercover Scott. He whips off his, you know, he's got Velcro trousers. He whips it off. He's got a kilt underneath. <laughs> the whole time. Okay. Uh, at Lord Hodgkinson asks, uh, what was your favourite shot from a film all year? Or of all time, for that matter? No, my friend. This is a review of the year, not a review of all years. Uh, this year. Oh. Favourite shot. Oh my god! Is Gra- it gravi- cheating to gra- have that twelve-minute shot? Yeah, gravity, gravity. opening <laughs> shot, uh, the bit where the camera goes inside a helmet and then we get a point of view and it comes out, or the bit where she gets her suit off and curls up in a little fetal position. Um, any of those? Any of those? The whole film, the whole of Gravity. I mean, in terms of most beautiful images, I mean, Lincoln is is gorgeous. Again, I'm bringing up Lincoln. I'm sorry, but it it, it has that sort of Velasquez kind of. Uh, style about it mm. the, the lighting in that is absolutely beautiful yeah. obviously Janusz Kaminski uh, Spielberg's now regular cinematographer responsible for that but it's it's a gorgeous gorgeous looking film even aside from from everything else that's good about it yeah um, what else mm. well since you just mentioned Oblivion there's an amazing shot in that of the swimming pool during a storm that's really stuck in my head since I saw it uh, didn't love the film overall but there was some mm. he Kaczynski is amazing at, at sort of getting great shots so I would put that forward I'd also put Superman flying straight up in Man of Steel that's a gorgeous shot it's only very very quick it's actually yeah. longer in the trailer but I agree as much really as I as much image. as I'm not a fan of Man of Steel it has amazing visuals um, who can forget Russell Crowe just getting onto a winged dragon and riding yes. off uh, yeah that's a fantastic shot my favourite shot of the year I well I think there's some fantastic shots in um, Nebraska's a, a beautiful film mm. yeah. Um, yeah fantastic black and white photography in that one uh, my favourite shot of the year is probably in the bling ring uh, it's a long shot uh, a holding shot just one shot as the the bling ring yeah, from outside the house. house yeah that is a great shot and I believe that was shot by uh, the late DP Harris Eulin to whom the film is dedicated <laughs> so there you go I'm going to volunteer Bomber's Barrel Rampage in Smaug <laughs> which I know I saw pretty recently but I think I'd be saying that if I'd seen the film a year ago amazing that was really good fun 
Uh, Walter Mitty made me want to go to Iceland. That was that was some gorgeous, gorgeous the shop shots. Or the... <laughs> no, the how, other one. How many Just to get films were shot in Iceland this year? Oblivion, yeah. Thor. It's not until next year, but Interstellar shot in Iceland as well this year. Very yeah. good tax rebates. Mm. They give you free herring. Okay, we got a question here from at a underscore shrubbery. Uh, <laughs> a shrubbery. A shrubbery. <laughs> you must cut down the mightiest tree in the forest with. <laughs> A herring! Um, who asks, with so many sequels, redos and adaptations this year, what has been your top original film of 2013? Gravity. Gravity. <laughs> Moving <Next>. on. <laughs> uh, Captain Phillips for me. Uh, Gravity. That's not original. I, I wasn't That's as... not original. What do you mean it's not original? It's based on based real on events. Book. It's an original film. It's based, based on, on real book. events. <laughs> it's original. Uh, and then, I'm going to say Francis Ha. Just all right. throw that out there. Hasn't had any love yet. Okay, Francis Ha. All right, Mother all right. Effers. All is lost. Yeah. Shove that up your crack pipe. Mud. 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 Although yeah. it's, it's loosely uh, based on... A mud. Twain. No, it, mud. Mud. That counts as original. Mud. Uh, and die- Before Midnight, maybe. Oh, it's a sequel. Never mind. Carry on. Good Day to Die Hard. Uh, what? No. <laughs> World's okay. End. Not a sequel-ish. Sort of. Yeah, Part no, of it's a, not. It's yeah. not. It is original. It, it is, is original. It is. Part of a sequence, but not a um, sequel. I guess Blue Jasmine doesn't really count because no, it's streetcar names are. Yes, it is. <laughs> Except Woody says it's not. So hey. Oh. Oh really? Oh, Woody says it isn't. And oh yeah. Who who are we? Who are we to in any way judge? Stop being a Woody hater. No. <laughs> I don't hate Woody. I love Midnight in Paris. Here's a question from at Rich underscore Jepson who asks, biggest disappointment of the year? Man of Steel gets my vote. I'm, I, <sighs> can I just say I'm not Rich Jepson? <laughs> but yes. Oh, God. I, yeah, well, we've already talked about some, haven't we? we, we so let's, I'd say let's leave Star Trek alone now. Uh, but I was, I, was, I was disappointed by Elysium. Mm-hmm. Likewise. Which was a shame because about 10 minutes into that film... I genuinely thought it was going to be my favourite film of the year. I was just watching, just going, this is, this is just awesome. This I think I know exactly, exactly at what point that <laughs> left <laughs> hey, your go mind. On, go on. Was it the point where it had a flashback to yeah. young Max? Yeah. With lots of sun-dappled shots of going, mm. and the nuns turned up. And the nun, yeah. Yeah, I definitely Elysium for me. I love District 9. That was my favourite film of the year when it came out. And I could not wait for Elysium. I, I was sure it was going to be in my top ten of the year, and it is not. Mm. Although there is there is plenty of good stuff in it. Yeah, Some yeah. I mean, I'm just saying this is it. This is disappointing. It's kind of like what I said at the very beginning about expectation. It's just a shame that District up. Nine had such a streamlined, propulsive story mm. that just was constantly pushing forward. And I think Elysium. Uh, personally, I don't think they should have gone to Elysium until the end of the film. Mm. I think they should have stayed on Earth, and then we get there with Max. Yeah, but instead it kind of goes all over the place. It's just really easy to get to. Yep. Get, get in a shuttle, fly up there, and land. Yep. Seems like it happens every week. Yep. Get chased around by a few robots. Yeah. Benny Hill yeah. style. Yeah. And people that just disappear for no for no good reason. It did anyway. probably have uh, 2013's best screen death, although it then cheats by making it a not death. But when uh, that's ruining it. Misses, yeah. <laughs> I'd say the best the year's best death comes from another slightly disappointing film, The Counselor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any any advances in screen death? We've gone off the beaten track, but that's, that's screen deaths. Screen death. Screen deaths. Screen, screen deaths. deaths. Well, I mean, Pierce Brosnan gets his head punched in, punched off in the world's end. But he's not really alive to start with. I know, but it's still great. Hmm. It's Pierce Brosnan getting his head punched off by Nick Frost. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. fair play. Uh, um, disappointing films. I mean, The Wolverine. 
I wasn't, you know, they talked such a great game and that was going to be the Wolverine film that everyone was waiting for. It wasn't. Um, although it had it had good stuff in it. The first mm. 20 minutes is pretty great. Oz the Great and Powerful. Ah, oh, yeah. I think disappointing just because Sam Raimi is capable of so much. And I keep forgetting that film even exists. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but it's just nothing. Mm. It's boring. I have to say, is uh, I mean, I had a lot of problems with Oz the Great and Powerful, but, but James Franco was just such the wrong casting for that part I thought I mean originally it was going to be Robert Downey Jr wasn't it mm. and I can imagine him working really well in that role I think he could have turned it around it's also Oz was a a, a magical kingdom if you will which always had a, a really big strong cast of female characters and they actually always drove the story and uh, here they're waiting around sitting on their hands for some bloke with no magic powers to turn up and tell them what to do which is a little bit offensive, um, and true. kind of the opposite <laughs> of everything that Oz. You know, yeah, not just not yeah. just Dorothy, but Ozma and the witches and everybody else. So yeah, it's a it's an odd film that. Um, I'd add in as d- disappointments go, After Earth, which I think is one of those films which had potential. I mean, I know that Shyamalan has been off his game recently, but we're always hoping that he'll be back on it. I think he had you know when he came in to talk to to us about it on the podcast he clearly had things he was trying to say with the film he'd clearly put a lot of thought into the history of this world and and how it got to this point and he you know there'd been some real analysis done there mm. and the thing is none of that matters if you don't care about the characters and the story of the actual film itself and, and that was the case here take a knee helen take a knee <laughs> i'm sorry thanks I, I was personally a little bit disappointed by red dawn because that's been I, I i know that you know nobody was that excited about it coming but it was dan bradley uh, doing his first film and Dan Bradley obviously is the genius stunt choreographer I kind of thought you know there could be some amazing action in this film and there wasn't any um, so that's kind of sad I don't know if he's going to make another one um, probably not given that mm. it absolutely died uh, at the box office uh, it was delayed for two or three years not its own fault of course it was caught up in the MGM financial meltdown but yeah bit of a shame that really and of course it had the year's most egregious uh, bad guys didn't it really where they were they started off as Chinese and then they changed them via CG to North Korean mm. what I'd like to think there's just a button on the keyboard <laughs> that you just what tap is... F8 and shift hmm. yeah. and uh, North Korean what is okay. going on the, the the increasing importance of, of China the world box office is really beginning to make itself felt and and it's it's having some very odd results on, on Hollywood's behaviour and, and that was just one of the oddest so far mm. Um, but, you know, obviously Iron Man 3 having a completely different cut in China with more Chinese characters is another example. And we're going to see more of this kind of in the next year or two. I mean, Transformers. You know, Transformers uh, with a lot of it shooting in China as well. So, yeah, it's going to be mm. really interesting to see uh, how that kind of plays out. And potentially not necessarily good if it means that Hollywood fil- um, filmmakers are kind of censoring themselves to appeal to a Chinese market. Question from at Mark C. Warner. He says, 2012 at the repairing of Sam Mendes and Daniel Craig. 2013, Shane Black and Robert Downey Jr. Which director could use a now popular star to reteam with for a career boost? Whoa. M. Night Shyamalan and Will Smith. Oh, no, yeah. wait. M. Night Shyamalan and Mark Wahlberg. No. M. Night Shyamalan and Bruce. No. No, um, right. Yeah, tricky. Tricky, tricky, tricky. Uh, basically, this is about which stars are big enough now to get a director that they worked with back in the day to... Refinalize their career. Okay. Mm. So who's the who the Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. Uh-huh. And John Sayles. 
good. I'd like to see them two reteam because if you remember, I'll explain this. Yeah. Uh, Lone Star was the John Sowers film that pretty much introduced Matthew McConaughey to the world, playing the father of um, the main character in Flashback. And his scenes in Lone Star were absolutely amazing. And McConaughey's career took off off the basis of that. <laughs> took off. Took off. Um, and yeah, and I love John Sayles, and he hasn't made a movie in bloody ages. So I really want to uh, see John Sayles back, make a movie, star McConaughey, off we go, bish bash bosh, I'm happy. Perhaps in the new year. Perhaps. The new year sales. Peter Jackson's not doing quite so well these days, so Jeffrey Coombs... Uh, a reunion there, I reckon, could be uh, could be good. That is the most Nick answer to that question I could possibly have imagined. Well, sorry, I'm Nick, <laughs> and that's the most Nick answer to that question <laughs> you could have possibly. Jeffrey Coombs, yeah, really, yeah. I'm being fl- slightly facetious. A little I, bit, I can but, see that, but you know, I can see that. Frightness too. Why not? But, but yeah, that's the other way around, isn't it? That's a director who's become huge. I it guess, is. I guess I've, it works. I've misunderstood. Sam Raimi with Bruce Campbell is always would be my my thing. Oh really? Yeah. Do you think you're not over that yet? Do you think Evil Dead Four will happen? Evil Dead Four slash Army of Darkness Two. I don't know. I don't know if I wanted to. Hmm. I'll be honest. I'd love to. You know, obviously, if it does happen, Bagsy is it. But um, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I, I'd be really, really excited if it does happen. But at the same time, I've seen enough movies revisit classic characters 20, 30 years down the line and disappoint. Indiana Jones the Kingdom of the Oh my goodness, Chris, that's really bad. Skull. Um, just, just think of the hustler instead. No, think of the colour of money instead. Yeah, that's true. You know? That's true. Yeah, that would be good. I'd love to see De Niro and Scorsese work together again. I know they're mm. talking about it. I know they're, they're talking about this Hitman film. Um, he, I think it'll happen. But, yeah. Which is Pacino, De Niro, Pesci yeah. and Scorsese. <sighs> this has got to happen. This is going to happen. Wow, I hope he's as good as Righteous Kill. <laughs> I'd like to see Jennifer Lawrence help Deborah Granick uh, get something made. Uh, that was, of course, the Winter's yeah. Bone director. She hasn't done anything since. Um, it historically has been difficult for even successful indie female directors to get their second film off the ground or their next film off the ground. And, you know, that was a great film. I'd like to see her do more. Amazing. Well done. Summer's uh, Bone. Summer's bone. Summer's bone, hooray. Uh, well, it should be four films. It should be Spring's Bone next. Summer's Bone will be the third in the series. Okay. And then what's the last one? Autumnal Bone. Very good. At the underscore Geordie asks, what's the biggest WTF moment of the year? <laughs> what the fuck does WTF mean? Um, Nick, you and I disagree on this slightly, but I thought that was a great joke in, in World's End. I'm surprised it's taken so long for someone to make a what the fuck does WTF mean joke but here we are yeah. in the year 2013. That's a good joke. It is a good joke. It's a really good joke. I like that joke. Uh, for me, the WTF moment of the year has to be the uh, Britney Spears moment in, in Spring Breakers where James Franco plays Britney Spears every time. Her greatest song, by the way, uh, <laughs> on, the, on a grand piano. How's it go? Uh, by, uh, the, it's a very difficult tune to sing. Yeah, I, I mm. can't. Well, James Franco managed it. Mm. <laughs> Not really. It, it, it takes over in the soundtrack. Uh, while uh, three ladies dressed in pink balaclavas with bikinis and twirling AK-47s dance around him. Uh, a bit like the X Factor final in so many ways. It's not a good WTF moment, but in The Family, there is a bit where... Uh, I, I'm saving you all from watching The Family. There's a bit where Robert De Niro's character uh, yes. is invited to yes. a screening of a movie, which turns out to be Goodfellas. Yes. So De Niro sits and watches himself in Goodfellas but there's no sort of moment where he goes oh he looks familiar I just couldn't wrap my head around what they were trying to do there it's dreadful 
it's an utterly utterly dreadful film we'll be talking about our worst films of the year very very soon but yeah I think that's that's up there I've got one but I, I, I actually I'm almost hesitating because I wouldn't forgive myself if we got to the end of this review of the year podcast without mentioning Stories We Tell which was my favourite film of the year until I saw Gravity and which really seems to have just just not been seen by enough people so it's a WCF moment in that but I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't say what it is because if not many enough people have seen it perhaps I shouldn't give it away does it ruin the plot it's not that the film doesn't have a plot it's a documentary go on go on tell us alright okay well if you really want to see stories we tell then don't listen to this next bit um, <laughs> but it's the moment where you, I suddenly realised that I wasn't actually watching uh, home video footage and it was actually all staged and shot by Sarah Polly using actors playing her own parents and even though she had put it together with actual real footage and there was slight physical differences I hadn't realised and and it was when I suddenly realised that I wasn't watching the film that I thought I was watching Mm. and it wasn't actually the documentary I thought I was watching when it started and it's such a clever film so so subtle and sensitive and, 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 and that really nailed it for me I was just like okay I've never seen anything like this before and that was WTF Wow, indeed. We, ha- we do have a list of these on the site, um, so I won't repeat everything there. Uh, the one that I didn't put on there, because I didn't want to harp on about it endlessly, is the end of Riddick and, <laughs> uh, and the, the general attitude shown towards women in the second half of that film, which really gets my back up. There's a very long blog about this on the site, so I'm not going to go into it too much, but it was uh, a genuine... I was having a good time. I was enjoying watching this sci-fi movie, and then I it just completely lost me to a degree that few movies have ever managed to alienate me. Again, a great sort of opening to a movie. I really enjoyed the first 15 yeah, minutes of that yeah. when it was just kind of Life of Pi, but with Vin Diesel beating up different alien animals. So automatically better than Life of Pi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I give a quick preview of a 2014 WTF moment, which is a film I just saw the other day, uh, Under the Skin, the new Jonathan Glazer <laughs> film? Yeah. There is a scene in that which I'd forgotten until about an hour ago, where Scarlett Johansson and a bloke a bloke takes her character home and puts on Tommy Cooper and <laughs> so you have Scarlett Johansson sitting in a Glaswegian house as an alien watching Tommy Cooper mm. that's got to be hard to beat mm. <laughs> that's a WTF film yeah. but anyway yeah. <laughs> I hope the exact same thing happens in Avengers 2 <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing question from RJ Moffat who asks, are there any scenes, characters or lines that are destined to become unforgettable? That's a, a nice little question that covers off quite a lot of stuff. Uh, I guess, let's talk first about our scene of the year or our moment of the year. What was, what, what's the uh, standout for you, Dan? Let's, let's start with you. The scene of the year. Um, I, I, it, feels, it feels really obvious to say Iron Man 3, the Mandarin. But it is pretty much, it was our magazine's classic scene of the year. Mm-hmm. Just very clever, I thought, in this way that following the Avengers, you know, they kind of ramped it up and ramped it up and ramped it up. And it's like, for the first Marvel movie after the Avengers, what bad guy can you have? What scenario can you have? And so the idea that they played on the Mandarin being this this super, super, super villain, and also casting Ben Kingsley as well, who, let's face it, you know, tends to get cast in those kinds of roles quite a lot, and then undercutting it in the way that they did. I just thought it was really smart. So there's that. And the other one I'm going to say, which actually personally pips it, is the story of the shark and the octopus in Short Term 12. Is a beautiful, beautifully written, amazing scene. 
Uh, it's it's uh, a kid in this uh, home for troubled children who who tells this, who writes this story and uh, tells it to Brie Larson's character, and and it's an amazing story. But obviously, you get the history of that kid through the story. So that's my personal scene of the year. Yeah, I'll second the Mandarin. I did genius casting, like you said, hmm. because you expect him to be this this sort of hardcore kind of dude. Yeah. In the same way that um, elsewhere in the film, they did not terribly good casting with Miguel Ferrer being the surprise villain yeah. as the vice president. As soon as you see Miguel Ferrer on screen, you're like, yeah, he's a bad dude. Uh, the Impossible, the tsunami sequence, um, and the barrels. I'm going to keep saying the barrels. The barrels. I love <laughs> the, barrels. the barrels in The Impossible. Yes. <laughs> For me, probably scene of the year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've been the tank for Marvel, as you guys know. Uh, I love that Mandarin scene. I also love the fact that uh, he's a Liverpool fan, uh, which is a, a, a big boost for me. Uh, it was good to see. The, the game he's watching is actually uh, from last year's Liverpool 3, Chelsea nil, I believe. I'll look it up. But yeah, it's a Liverpool-Chelsea game from last year, and the and the goal scorer at the time, I believe, is Daniel Agger. So there you go. Wow. Bit of, bit of, a, bit of trivia for you guys. Uh, and the reason that uh, they're watching the Liverpool game is because Ben Kingsley insists that Trevor Slattery is Liverpoolian. Doesn't necessarily sound like it, but then again, I'm sure his accent's been eroded over the years. Helen? Uh, I'd, I'd third or fourth uh, Slattery, obviously. Um, I'd uh, again mention the opening sequence of Gravity. Um, I would also, however, like to shout out to the final scene of Captain Phillips, which yeah. I think is yeah. an absolutely brilliant moment yeah. of humanity. Yeah. Um, and similarly, you know, well, virtually anything in Lincoln, but particularly, uh, maybe this is my lawyer training coming out, but his explanation of why the um, the Emancipation Proclamation is not enough on its own and he needs the 13th Amendment. As a lawyer, that's just an absolutely brilliant piece of circular reasoning and it's just wonderful and, and that really made my day. So that, sorry. That's right. Scariest moment, I would volunteer the bit in The Conjuring, the hide-and-seek game which was uh, fairly horrible. Yeah. There's kind of a thing with the with uh, Lee Winnell and James Wan's creepy cupboards. I wonder if one of them was traumatised <laughs> by a wardrobe when they were small. Yeah. There's always horrible things happening in their cupboards. I'd love to have them on the podcast one day. We can yeah. ask them. That. And hide in a cupboard and jump out of them. I thought it was a decent year for horror. We had You're Next and Insidious mm. Chapter 2, which I really, really liked. I know I defied it a lot of people. And uh, I really liked uh, Fede Alvarez's remake of... Uh, it's not a remake, is it? Uh, his Evil Dead. Yeah, it was, that was fun. Uh, for Scaria, I know it's not a horror movie at all, but uh, Upstream Colour is quite creepy and gets under your skin a little bit. And those early scenes of someone basically completely losing their willpower and doing whatever they're told by another person are, are really quite disturbing. Um, so I still don't know what happened, but I'm pretty sure that was part of it. Is Tommy um, Cooper featured in that <laughs> film at any point? He might be. I mean, who knows, honestly. Uh, just, but it, it's, it's one of those films which I, I quite enjoyed not n- not understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should probably mention the Battle of Hong Kong in Pacific Rim, which I thought was one of the greatest Heck pieces yes. of the year. Um, and I think really showed what Guillermo del Toro was striving for in that film. I don't think he achieved it entirely for the for the whole of the, the, the movie. Um, certainly if there's a sequel, I'd be very intrigued to see that. Uh, World War Z has some great set pieces. What I love about that film, really took me by surprise how much I liked that film, was the final sequence, which uh, pairs everything down and puts the emphasis on tension rather than a carnage and I really like that and that's a great model actually for blockbusters I mean I know they did that partly you know out of necessity in that case having shot a big finale that didn't work but you know I think that and Iron Man 3 and to some extent even Thor as well shows you don't need to make everything huge for the last action scene you can kind of well maybe not Thor it was a slightly (laughs) different thing but 
you can do something completely different for the last action scene. You don't need to do what you did before, but bigger. Was, um, you can keep changing it up. It's probably my one problem with Iron Man 3, that, that stuff at the end. I didn't think they needed it. I love that film up to the point where they uh, start exploding stuff. Although <laughs> I like seeing all the suits, but um, it went on a bit. I think, that, I think it's a great ingenuity to the way that they keep diving from suit to suit. And each suit has a different purpose. and It was spectacular. Yeah. But um, after, you know, one of the nice things about that film is that he gets out the suit and it's like a caper almost. You know, he's being a bit yeah. MacGyvery. It's interesting how divisive Iron Man 3 is. I mean, it is, the, it is so far, at the time of uh, recording, the biggest film of the year, and I think it's going to stay that way. Um, but a lot of people I know didn't like it at all. And my immediate inclination is to yell, "You're an idiot!" at them, but uh, they do seem to—they—they they, they weren't happy with the, the sort of what they saw as the mocking tone. And some people weren't happy with the amount of time that Tony Stark spends out of the suit in that movie. But uh, I thought it pretty much got it spot on, uh, to be honest. Uh, also, one of the moments of the year for me is the the Dobie song from Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues, which Adam McKay says is the is the uh, the dividing line for a lot of people. It was, you like that scene, which means you like the movie, or you think it's one of the worst things ever, ever, ever committed to film. I loved it. But there you go. The Dobie song. Dobie the shark. shark. Dobie the shark song. Oh, yeah. A song about a great white shark. The only thing that might have improved Jaws, one might argue. A question from RJ Moffat. Are there any scenes, characters, or lines that are destined to become unforgettable? Let's focus on characters now. Anything... Uh, or who's going to become unforgettable from the cinematic year? Dan? Um, well, actually, un- unforgettable may be a bit strong, but I was really impressed by the character of Loki, Detective Loki. In oh, the- yeah. trickster. Yes. <laughs> God of mischief. Yes, I should say, I do love Loki, but it's the other Loki of the year. I thought was a really interesting character. It is, it's kind of... I don't know whether this was Gyllenhaal putting things into the performance or whether it was in the script, but there's so much about that guy that you don't know that you never find out. So he's got these weird tattoos and he, he kind of obviously lives alone and he kind of has this thing where he buttons his shirt up and he doesn't have a tie and he seems really uncomfortable all the time. And I'd actually like to see another film with, with, with him in it. I want to see a film that's just him smashing keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> he really smashes yeah. a keyboard. I, I wouldn't rule that out. Well, I might rule Nick's mm. idea out, yeah. but I wouldn't rule your idea oh. out because uh, he and Villeneuve, uh, Denis Villeneuve, who directed that film, have already worked together twice um, and both rave about the other and I think yeah. have, have more to say I mean that character that um, John Hall talked a little bit about in our video interview which is up on the website mm. and, and talked about yeah, it's very much a conscious decision to have him buttoned up and, and they did have a whole sort of history worked out where he actually was raised in a in a Catholic boy's home so he's got those religious tattoos those are angelic symbols on his hands okay. so he's, that he uses his fists to protect people is the, is the kind of idea mm. um, and always wears I think a crucifix as well so it's it's all very kind of there's a lot of kind of Catholic symbolism, or not even all Catholic, hmm. mystical symbolism uh, built into the character and a real sense of kind of faith and hmm. goodness uh, beneath that kind of simmering anger. Which it's a really, really interesting um, figure. You're yeah. absolutely right. I yeah. will say he needs to spend a bit more time working on his suspect tailing. He's <laughs> really terrible at following people in a car. Um, but a great film, really good film. Uh, characters. Characters. I mean, I'm not going to be able to forget Nicole Kidman in The Paperboy anytime soon. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. With the uh, immortal yeah. line, if anyone's going to piss on him, it's going to be me. Who, who hasn't said that at some point in well, their lives? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, speaking of Nicole Kidman, uh, Stoker, I can't remember if Stoker was in my top 10 of the year. I think it was. Uh, it's three great characters in that film, but Matthew Good's um, Uncle Charlie really stood out for me. Fantastic actor, Matthew Good, hasn't really 
probably had the career that he might have had. I mean, I think in the past he's auditioned for the likes of Superman and whatnot. But uh, yeah, he's fantastic in that film. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out as, and, and cover off uh, an unsung hidden gem, if you will, of the year. Uh, Good Vibrations, which came out in March. Very, very small Northern Irish movie about a, a real life a record store owner slash DJ slash talent scout uh, called Terry Hooley, uh, played by Richard Dormer. Uh, fantastic performance, very effervescent character, the sort of guy. Uh, he grows up, uh, he's not, well, he doesn't grow up, but he's living at the height of the troubles and he literally doesn't care. He doesn't care about <laughs> either side. He just wants to get on with his life, which I think reflects the life's Helen, if I'm right in thinking, yeah. of pretty much every single person in Northern Ireland, Absolutely. with the exception of a, a noisy few. Yes, uh, I would add in, uh, in terms of characters of the year, Gary King, I think, in The World's End. It's a character that the more you think about him, the more layers there are to Yeah, and again, a very divisive character. I know a lot of people yep. who uh, really had problems with that character. I think he's... he's the, the, the issue, I think, is he's not as immediately sympathetic as, you know, as Sean or as Nick Angel, but he has a lot going on. And I think the mm. more you watch that film, that that's a film, actually, that I think people's opinions are going to... You I know, people so. have high opinions of it already. I think they're going to get higher and higher. Uh, that film, the more people think about it. Um, Emma Thompson's terrific in Saving Mr. Banks. That's honestly a character for the ages, but it, it cheats a bit by being based on a real person, hmm. I suppose. Um, and then I loved uh, R in Warm Bodies, Nicholas Holt's character in that. I think it's just, it's a really charming, very funny performance um, in Warm Bodies. I'm going to give a, I'm going to cheat as well, given that you have. <laughs> uh, this is a real guy because it's a documentary. But Jiro Oni from oh, yes. uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which is on Netflix. If you have Netflix, uh, watch that. It's one of the year's best documentaries. And he is an 85, I think he's 86-year-old Japanese guy who is obsessed with seafood and sushi in all its forms. And um, Bruce Willis actually mentioned when I asked him uh, earlier in the year when I interviewed him if he'd seen anything good this year. He loves that film. So, you know, if Bruce says... Bruce is never wrong. and He's never in a bad uh, film. So, yeah. It has been a cracking year for documentaries. Mm. We should uh, give a shout out to the likes of Blackfish, uh, which a lot of people. Yep, see, yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, and uh, the Gatekeepers, which is astonishing, and stories we tell, which I haven't mentioned for five minutes. Act of killing. Yeah, um, the Deep, which is very interesting. Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a weird art house documentary. That's a whole new dawn for documentaries. That one. Juro probably loves that. Probably. <laughs> Just plotting how we can catch everything. And, All and, those fish. And cook it. Um, but characters, gosh. I mean, The Counselor is one of those weird films that's... that's I, I kind of liked it because mm. it's hard to forget Cameron Diaz's character in that. I, You know, that's a WTF, mm. a WTF moment, if ever there was one, involving yeah. the car. Um, yeah, true. But there's several characters in that film that, that are kind of indelible and original. So, yeah. Dr. King Schultz, Django Unchained. Rob Lowe, Behind the Candelabra. Oh, yeah, brilliant character. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. And one of the comedy performances of the year from uh, from Rob Lowe as well. Uh, I know this is on, uh, at the moment, on, on the Empire website, empireonline.com. We have a huge, expansive review of the year. This is one of those categories, but that's very, very quickly go through our lines of the year. I hate space. <laughs> I'll pay you and never you worry which is a line spoken in Broken City. I have no idea. I'm not that. sure that's a line. Does that even count as English? I don't, what is that? It's probably the line I've quoted the most. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll pay you and never you worry. Uh, astonishing stuff. And um, get your get your bleeps out, earmuffs, earmuffs, uh, because of that great line from the end of The World's End, 
why don't you get in your rocket ship and fuck off back to Legoland, you cunts? I would like to uh, shout out again to uh, Warm Bodies because the idea of a zombie internally monologuing, don't be creepy, don't be creepy, don't be creepy, <laughs> when hitting on a girl is is one of the most delightful moments of the year for me. How have we not mentioned uh, Ben Whitley's at Field in England, uh, one of our best and most yes. prolific directors? Uh, the Devil is an Irishman is a line from that. And uh, you talk about what the fuck moments of the year. Reese Shearsmith emerging from the tent oh, with the most God, terrifying yeah. expression I've seen in anyone's face for a long, long time, <laughs> and I'm including yours right now, Dan, uh, is an indelible image of the year and will stick in my mind for a very, very long time of the day. And that film is fantastic. I've totally failed to mention, and you won't believe it, Much Ado About Nothing. I haven't mentioned it this whole time. It's Joss Whedon and Shakespeare, and I haven't mentioned it. There's a couple it. of good lines in that, So there? there are just one or two good lines in that one. But also, uh, Benedict and Beatrice, um, Amy Acker and Alexis Denisov do a really good job of, of those characters. So mm. a big shout-out to them for Characters of the Year. One word. Mm-hmm. Jislam. <laughs> Sidekick Simon? Sidekick Simon, I that line. Character. John Harrison, a.k.a. Khan Noonien Singh, was by some distance the best thing about the Star Trek in the Darkness, I thought, and Benedict Cumberbatch was excellent. And also, if you're shouting out about people who've had a good year, he's had a bit of a belter, hasn't he, really? He has. Old he, Cumberbund. He topped our 100 sexiest movie stars poll. Did for he? The, on, in the men's leg, anyway, yeah. Uh, and, of course, he was Smaug, Smoog, Smog. He was Smog, Smog. Yep. He's about to be back as Sherlock. Yeah. He recited R. Kelly lyrics. I mean, <laughs> what more could you ask for? And... Please, if you haven't already, do Google Benedict Cumberbatch R. Kelly. Wasn't it this time last year when people were hopelessly uh, head over heels in man love with Ryan Gosling, who had a bit of a, a, a squiffy year this mm. year? Uh, Only God Forgives is possibly my worst film of the year. We'll get on that in a second. Uh, but also Gangster Squad was, was god-awful. God-awful. Terrible film. And he's uh, and the, the and voice, he's, the voice oh, that he chooses voice. to go with. You can see, you can kind of imagine he's like, yeah, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. What do you think? Shall I go with this? Yeah, let's do this. And he has the most irritating voice of any character all year. Yeah, it's like Mickey Mouse in a gangster suit. It's not good. No, it's not good. Have we got time for one more line? Yes. Zartan, played by Jonathan Price in GI Joe Retaliation. <laughs> you know they call it a waterboard, but I never get bored. <laughs> oh. How can that not put a smile on your face? Oh, amazing. John from Fast, Price. Fast and Furious 6. Uh, was it, we, we need a plan B. Plan, plan B, a, yeah. we need a plan C, D and E. We, we need, we more, need alphabets. more alphabets. Yeah. <laughs> so gratuitous. Yeah. It's brilliant. See, that's probably the only time that movie approached the levels of stupidity, self-aware stupidity, yeah. that, that Fast Five had. Yeah. Which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. I'd like to think that they do go off and invent new alphabets in between missions. <laughs> and they're just sitting if there. anyone can do it, it's ludicrous. Who knows, it's been a good year in the podcast. I mean, you know, we've had a fantastic guest on this year. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Harrison Ford, Denzel Washington, Mark Wahlberg, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, you know, Mark Strong's been on here, Ryan Reynolds. It's been fantastic. And uh, you guys have been, the listeners have been fantastic because you, you, you've really helped the, the show grow from week to week. And uh, we're very, very grateful for that. Thank yeah. you for listening. And for all your questions. Thank you. Indeed. Indeed. Thanks for making it interesting for us every single week. Uh, let's round this off now, though, with our films of the year. Worst Len Best, very, very quickly, Danforth Jolin, worst film of the year? G.I. Joe Retaliation. Why? Because it was uh, offensive and preposterous and badly made. There is literally nothing good that I can say about it. And sorry, I love The Rock. I love The Rock, but he was just wasted. Yeah, he was it's wasted. A, it's not a, like he wasn't, you know, I'm not saying he was on drugs. I'm saying he was <laughs> wasted. 
it's a nothing role in a nothing movie. Sadly, he has that yes. good bit with the mountain and the ninjas are on the mountain. And Jonathan no, Price no. is fantastic in it. You have to, you at least no, have to admit that. They call no, it a water board. No. <laughs> but I just get bored. I won't That's even true. give you the ninjas. <laughs> That's a dreadful impression. Oh my word! What was that? Uh, we'll come back to best. Nick, worst film of the year. How can I choose between the family and a good day to die hard? How? Go the family. The family. Go the family. Okay. All yeah. right. It's just awful. I mean, uh, uh, I would think it was made by someone who hates French people, except it's made by a French person. Um, <laughs> and it's just, uh, the casting is You've so... You've seen Taken, right? Huh? I think, taken, I think Luke Besson has yeah. some issues. Yeah, yeah, he does. But, um, you know, it's coming up to the 20th anniversary of Leon, so... Yay! It's a movie that's so bad it makes you forget. It's like one of those. Helen, you have this theory as well. You were watching The Love Guru, and the, yeah. you said oh. it's so bad it makes you doubt whether Mike Myers was funny in the first place. He was, and he, he was. Is, yes, thankfully, thank goodness. And I think he can be again. I think what I hate most about it is that every actor is playing a part that's really close to something they've done brilliantly in the past. So De Niro's playing a mob guy. Michelle Pfeiffer's playing a, a mob yeah. mole. Tommy Lee Jones is playing a sort of fed, and it's it just yeah. makes you want to go out and watch any of those films. But it also it makes you doubt they were good in the first place. And it makes you doubt Luc Besson as a great director in the first place. And you have to go back and watch Leon and, yeah. to a lesser extent, Big Blue in some yeah. way. Uh, but you have to go back, especially Leon. This is coming up to 20 years next yeah. year. And it's slightly tainted by the family, which is probably the worst film of the year. But I'm still going to go with Only God Forgives because I've never looked at my watch more than in that movie. It's crazy. It's only 90 minutes long. It feels like it's nine hours long. I was, looking, the, I was looking at other people's watches. That was the one film that made both our best and worst films mm. of the year, which I think is a good thing. And I think, yeah. frankly, Winding Refn would probably be very, very happy about that. I was more in the quite liking it. Camp. I liked it, with um, the exception of the uh, the needly scene. Oh, yeah, that was unpleasant. Here's the weird thing about the Only God Forgives. It has some amazing sequences, some amazing shots, great performances, and technically it's fantastic. And yet I just hate it every second. Well, there you go. Uh, I think my worst film of the year, I was tempted to say Good Day to Die Hard as well. Um, I'm going to go for the Mortal Instruments City of Bones um, because, you know, honestly, I was trying to cheerlead for it. I wanted it to be good. And <laughs> it was really bad. So still a sequel happening, isn't it? There is apparently yeah. still a sequel happening. So we'll get to see the effect of Bach's music on demons, hopefully, in that. <laughs> apparently, they don't like it. Because no performances are better than when actors are contractually obliged to come back for something that they exactly. don't want to do. Exactly. So that, that's going to be really good fun. Yay. Uh, and best film of the year, Helen. Uh, well, I said Lincoln on the list, so I'm going to stick with that. I am very okay. tempted by the likes of Gravity, Captain Phillips, and All is Lost, but I've got to stick with my first answer. Okay. Nick? Yeah, I'm going to be dull and, and say Captain Phillips. Um, you know, it's making a list is so kind of arbitrary, number one. I mean, I could put Stoker at number one, I could put Gravity at number one, I could put Captain Phillips. It'd be one of those ones. Yeah, it, it literally is. It's just whatever you're feeling on the day. Mm -hmm. For example, I put Captain Phillips, and then All is Lost at number two. I don't know. Do I really prefer Captain Phillips to All Is Lost? I put Iron Man three, which is the film of the film I've enjoyed most this year, at number three. It's probably hand on heart my number one film of the year. But I'm such a comic book geek, I, I was probably aware of that and put Captain Phillips instead. I don't know if Captain Phillips is going to be as rewatch worthy as say Gravity. I kind of feel like I've seen it and I maybe watch it again at some point. But that you know, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, oh uh, yeah, Sir Isaac Newton's Gravity. But I would like to put a shout out, and I per I don't know who it came from. I apologise. Somebody on Twitter described it as grabbing for handles the movie, um, <laughs> which is incredibly disrespectful, but also not unfair. I compared it at the VFX festival this year, and it was um, people who work in visual effects mm -hmm. explaining how they do it and what they do to 
mostly students of the craft or other professionals. And the Frame Store team came along and talked about Gravity and talked about how wow. they made that film. Yeah. Um, and there were regular gasps from the audience when they explained what went into making Gravity. Um, and on several occasions, the kind of disbelieving titter you get when uh, when people are just like, well, that's clearly impossible. What are you talking about? Um, and, and it just brought home for me, because I understood about 20% of what was being said. That brought home to me just how impressive and how groundbreaking yeah. those visual effects were. Tim, Tim Webber, visual effects supervisor. He was, he, yes. He's, he's, it was he's his one of my unsung heroes of the year. It, yeah, he's yeah. one of Empires as well. He's going to be in our Empire Online roundup of the year. So awesome. look for him there. Awesome. Which, which you can read now if you so desire. It has lots of other unsung heroes. Hopefully Max Martini, if that interview happens. Max Martini, he was so good. And Captain Phillips and Pacific Rim as well. Martin and Coogan, Steve Martin Coogan's Coogan. brother. Yeah, <laughs> tons and tons of other James people. James Badgedale. James Badgedale is he on the list no, he's but he should be because he's, he's, he's been in everything this <laughs> yes. year uh, okay very very quickly to wrap up let's review uh, sorry let's rate 2013 out of 5 stars as is the Empire tradition don't forget 3 stars is a recommendation Dan out of 5 what would you give this year 3 stars 3 stars is a recommendation go and see it Nick 4 stars and then 3 stars on DVD <laughs> <laughs> okay Helen 4 stars and I'm sticking with that on DVD darn it I'm going to be very controversial and say three stars. Why is that controversial? <laughs> Dan already did it. Which is a recommendation, listeners. Absolutely. Go and Absolutely. see this year. Uh, and that is it for Empire's Review of the Year podcast special. Join us next year for more podcast year reviewing related fun. Uh, but also we'll be back in January 10th with the first podcast proper of 2014. Wow, the future. Ooh. It's amazing. It's amazing. Until then, have a very, very happy New Year, listeners. It is goodbye from Helen. Happy New Year. It's goodbye from Nick. See you in the future. It's goodbye from Dan. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Thanks. Bye.